Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule is back in effect. I'm joined by Mario Lopez. I'm Steve Kim. Mario, big weekend of fight action. A, a lot, lot, to talk, lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. You were there. I was uh, watching it at home who had a different perspective, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. And a special guest will be joining us, Joe Tessitore, hey. who is ringside from e- for ESPN, will be joining us. Before we get started, though, this fine show is brought to you by the Hustler Casino. Yes. Hey, you know what? It's our favorite local L.A. casino, a home of the most popular poker live stream in the world, a Southern California staple since the year 2000. But let's get started. Round number one from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas and still... The lightweight champion of the world, Devin Haney, with a 12-round decision over Vasil Lomachenko. Your scores, 116-112 from Dave Moretti and Tim Cheatham and David Sutherland at 115-113. But Mario, very simple question. Is he undisputed or disputed, Devin Haney? Before I give my take again, I want to give props to both fighters for A, facing each other. Because just like Garcia Tank... In Haney Loma, a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz. People are talking about it outside of the boxing world. That's what happens, Kim, when um, great fighters decide to face each other. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen as often as we'd like. But when it does happen, it does resonate. People do like it. And this is the sort of a buzz we need for the sport. To answer your question. Oh, my God, man. Okay. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Look, I... It, so I watch. I, I came home and I watched the fight afterwards. I purposely, because um, I was at an LAFC game that day, I purposely d- avoided social media and avoided everything. And uh, clear mind, clear mind, and Full I heart's saw, clear mind. Exactly. <laughs> saw the fight um, without any sort of bias and for what it was. I had uh, in Loma, who I picked. Remember, yep. uh, initially on the show right here, I, he st- from the get did not. Uh, download, did nope. not try to process information, came out hard. It's like he heard our podcast. He came out, was effective with his aggression, was punching in bunches, measured that distance. See, it, it was starting to catch him with these uh, um, good shots that were clean, were hard, eventually ended up buzzing him. And it was very frustrating as a spectator that was it just me, but the commentary, they weren't really showing him a lot of love right there. And I'm like, is I know the judges can't hear that, but for, for the audience, I was like, for the view, the home viewer, it was real. I'm like, are they not watching the same fight? <laughs> and yes, Haney did decide to invest to the body early um, and often and did land some shots. But Kim, correct me if I'm wrong, Loma never took one step back. Those body shots didn't have any effect. He was the aggressor. And in close rounds, I always lead towards the person who's initiating the action and being the aggressor. To me, he landed the cleaner, harder shots. Had him buzzed, especially in the 11th round. And I had it 115-113 Loma. Haney who I thought could have utilized that jab even more. I felt had a little trouble with those feints, like I thought with that footwork. Couldn't exactly find the rhythm. Had certain moments, but never had Loma in trouble. Never had Loma hurt. And these so-called swing rounds seemed to always swing Haney's way. One direction. Yeah, exactly. They swung one direction. And again, with the commentary, and I found it, I found it, (laughs) and and Andre Ward specifically, and because I watched all the post-fight stuff uh, as well, he seemed to get frustrated Hmm. by all the talk, and I think it was a little PTSD a la when he fought Kovalev Hmm. the first time, which we both agree, and I think a lot of people do, Kovalev still 
uh, won that fight, but he uh, Ward ended up getting his hand raised. So I don't know if he felt um, that there was eerie comparisons there. But you're fighting in Haney's hometown. The home crowd, the home crowd there, um, or pardon me, the crowd in the arena. Felt like Kiev. It felt like Kiev. And then the fighters that went there, when Shakur was there, and he vocally, Loma won. He thought he was one. Ryan Garcia there was there. He thought Loma won. Keyshawn was there. He thought he won. Uh, uh, Bud was there. Okay, he thought he won. Sean Porter was there. He thought he won. Mm. Regis thought he mm. won. De La Hoya was there. He th- So everybody thought he won. The, the crowd there, you heard the boos. Most people on social media thought Loma won. And then you hear, and I was just baffled by what I was hearing afterwards by some comments again by Andre Ward and then uh, Haney's dad that it wasn't close. I'm like, am I watching the same fight here? So look, Haney fought well and, and, and he showed a little grit um, going down the stretch, especially after he got buzzed. And he, 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 he didn't, he held himself in good regard, but I, I, I he still didn't win. He still didn't right. win. And then, and, and here's the thing that bugged me. Honestly, I thought he would start to take over the fight because the 9 a.m. Um, weigh in the day before. They're weaponizing those, by the bro, way. Now. My, why not as well let him weigh in a week before? Or Tuesday. Right. Thing. Exactly. What's the deal? 36 hours and with no rehydration clause, which made it even more impressive for Loma. And the thing that really got me, because again, I watched uh, the, the, all the press stuff. When Loma got emotional and in his hands and started crying in his hands. And that was such a poignant moment because I think he felt he's 35 years old. It's the last he's, one. It's the last. It's like one of my last stands. I don't know if I can give another effort like that. So it was truly heartbreaking to see him get robbed to use emotion. All right. Well, let me get in here. Hold, hold uh, on a second. It's heartbreaking to see him get robbed like that, uh, Kim, because I don't know if it'll happen again. You were there. So how did it look different being in person as opposed to on TV? Did it have the same sort of effect? couple things. I haven't heard that much booing for a decision since Golovkin Canelo won. Mm. Second of all, in terms of the announcing, now again, I'm watching the fight from press row. It's not ringside anymore, but still a pretty good seat. But on my Twitter feed, one person is saying, I can't believe how biased they are for Loma. Then Wait, three, what? Three, no, three, no. three tweets later, <laughs> oh, they're homing. For Devin Haney, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, am I watching Fox News or CNN? So maybe they're doing a good job because it seemed to be split 50-50 on the broadcast, believe it or Did not. Did you see it? Did you go home and see it? No, but on my timeline, that, that not correct. people I saw it. were kvetching on both sides. Third of all, I do believe most of the hard, effective shots were landed by Loma. I believe there's actually more of a argument for 116-112 for Loma than there is for Haney. Absolutely. And Moretti in the twi- um, in the 10th round. Kim, seriously? He gave him that 10th round? Sketchy. Very questionable. So it- shady. And this is two weeks in a row where the foreign fighter has come into town and they get a raw deal. This, it's like, this man, reminds me of Jojo God. Guerra s- scoring the ninth round for Ray Leonard against Marvelous Marvin Hagler, which was the most dominant round of that fight. Do I believe it's the worst robbery ever? No. Were there a lot of close rounds? Yes. But when it was done, most of the people and the majority of people that I asked, and in my opinion, it was a clear decision. Even though it was close, I think the judges got it wrong. But one critique of Vasil Lomachenko, he took the 12th round off. That's incredibly naive. The one issue that I have with a lot of these fighters from foreign countries Someone better teach them one thing. Professional boxing is not a sport. It is a business. 
He did not understand the business of boxing. And I know it's easy for me to say that he should have pressed that gas pedal. But when he laid up in the 12th, I got that queasy feeling like, uh-oh. See, I, uh-oh. I I disagree with you a little bit. I don't think he laid up. He had such a huge 11th. I think he got penalized for not necessarily keeping that same momentum. Grading I, on a scale. Exactly. You're grading on a scale. And be that as it may... He still won at least seven of those rounds. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about this fight with someone who literally had the best seat in the house. Our good friend from ESPN, Joe Tessitore. All right. So, Joe, you had the best seat in the house. But with your job, even though you're very close, you're, you get a vantage point that's very unique. But you're the traffic cop. Um, mm-hmm. So looking back at it, what type of feel did you get from the main event we saw Saturday night? It was an edge-of-your-seat constant kind of fight. Um, Listen, obviously, the three of us have been ringside for thousands and thousands of fights. And sometimes, even at the highest level, they're they're not fought with constant urgency. This was. So it was one of the rare evenings where, from the moment of each ring walk, through the introductions, through the opening bell, until the final bell and Chinook reading the cards, you were always on edge. Um, I thought the fight was fought beautifully. I thought, I know we're going to get, we're, we're getting this tidal wave of criticism and debate over the scoring and great, and that's going to fuel a lot of conversations. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, what we had from the opening bell until the end of the 12th round, to me, was a fight that was fought in an urgent style, decisive, highly skilled, both guys extending themselves as best they could. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant display of what the sport looks like when it's trying to be at its very best. I agree. And yeah, kudos to uh, both of those gentlemen for f- fighting each yeah. other. That was elite, uh, elite stuff. But Joe, at the same time, we had... There goes the butt. There's the butt. There, there is the butt because two weeks in a row now, a lot of the buzz yeah. is that these foreign fighters come in and they got the raw end of the deal on certain decisions. Both Craigle and Kellerman, I believe, had it 115, 113, so did I, scoring it it at home. Shakur Stevenson, Keyshawn, Ryan Garcia, Bud, um, uh, De La Hoya, everyone that was there had Loma. The crowd I heard at home, but I've never seen a hometown fighter get booed so loud, and and it seemed to buzz online. Everyone pretty much thought it was a close competitive fight, but that the wrong guy had his um, hand raised. How were... What were you feeling when before the uh, uh, the announcement of who the winner was? I, I, what I was feeling before the announcement was we had a very close fight with rounds that were tough to score in the middle portion and some in the early portion of the fight. And the clearest, most decided, most distinct rounds that you could score were for Loma. And because those rounds came late it leans into the result we got and the reaction we got. And we always sit back and we fail to remember that these are all the same one-twelfth units. And the same stuff you're doing in rounds one through six actually quantifiably comes at the same value mark as the same stuff you're doing in round nine, 10, 11, and 12. But because of the heightened drama and because of the label, the championship rounds, and because of that finishing kick, we somehow in our heads constantly fool ourselves as if these rounds are being doubled and tripled in value and they're not. Who would you rather be at the end of that fight? Yes, you'd rather be Loma. It's the guy who was carrying momentum. It's the guy who obviously had the fans on his side. And to 
the critics eye perhaps you lean towards a 6-6 draw perhaps you could see it swing 7-5 towards Haney I think the 116 card is a gross outlier in that 10th round by Dave Moretti is just horrific um but I do think that most people in the arena had a 7-5 Loma I don't have an issue with a draw and I do have an understanding as to how you can arrive the other way because of so many swing rounds. Yeah, and Joe and Mario, another thing we need to get rid of this axiom, you got to take it from the champ. Guys, no, once no. the fight starts, no, it's 0-0. Zero, yeah. zero. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. I mean, it, right. It's like winning a race. You can win it by an inch right. or you can win it by There's a no mile. handicap here. It, 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 it yeah. does not matter. And here's, here's the other thing. As far as those close swing rounds, they seem right. to only swing one way <laughs> toward Haney. And I always, in, in judging a, a, a round, because you're right, each round is like its own little fight. I lean towards the aggressor. I lean towards the guy who's trying to initiate the action. And yes, Haney was having some success going downstairs to the body, but never once did the smaller man in Loma um, take a step backwards. No, he didn't. Look like he was hurt or in trouble. Um, and he, to me, landed the cleaner, harder shots and uh, hurt Haney at one point. And I'm asking myself, okay, he didn't get hurt. He didn't look buzzed. He didn't. Right. He didn't. He didn't ever look like he was um, getting caught on really bad shots. Where, where uh, oh my God, it's so clear that I have to give him that round. So it was sort of kind of frustrating because in the end, which I'm sure you saw when he was crying, it like it it, it, it was it's like a 30, 35 year old guy saying, you know what, that was like my last effort. I don't know if I can yeah. rally to give another one again. Joe, do you get the sense that was his last stand for Lomachenko? No, I don't. I think mm. he knows it, it was probably his last chance for undisputed, mm. and I think he probably knows that he gave everything he could and it was right there for the taking and probably feels like he should be undisputed. And he has not been just talking about undisputed during this promotion. We go back years with him. He's always been talking mm -hmm. about undisputed. So that meant a lot to him. In fact, if we want to talk about his future, as many of us have said in recent years, the guy's a natural 26 pounder, right? Only because of skill level and ability went up to 130, went to 135 because he was trying to find challenges, right? Because they weren't going to exist at 126, 130. Now, strangely, in the deep autumn of his career, and you want me to get your juices flowing? I actually think he should go back down the ladder to finish out the last few chapters. Go down to 130, which he can make. I mean, 130 is nothing for him. He, it's natural to him. Fight the winner of Oscar Valdez, Emmanuel Navarrete. Oh. Oh. Okay, which would be a, I mean, you want to talk, the kind of fight that the three of us like, because when, we all have the same style of fight that we like, right? Amazing. And then, as the next year goes on, if in a way beats Fulton, and becomes a unified champion at 122. Now, can you hear the sizzle, the butter sizzle on top of the steak right now? Can oh, you yeah. hear that butter sizzle? No, I'm not mad at that okay. at all, Wait, Joe. wait, wait, I'm not mad. And then you want me to get the cast iron pan heated up even more? If Inouye says, oh, you know what? Let me carry this power to 126 and take on Robesi Ramirez. And Loma then comes down to what? Can you imagine a year from now? Inouye Loma at 126 and Loma finish his career where he starts and in a way finishes his career where he can top out that would be magic mario this Ma is thomas guy tessitore hey. he's, he's got the map here that would be a monster fight no pun intended but he, he, here's the thing since you mentioned weight another issue i had the allowing haney to weigh in at 9 a.m why not let him hey, he weigh made in? the weight mario no i know he mario, made the weight, made the weight. I, no and props to him but my point yeah. is 9 a.m joe 9 a.m 36 hours no, mario, why not let him whoa, weigh in a week boy, ahead hey, of go your boy dana weight your, your boy dana white does that every week yeah but no. hold on hold on hold on no, no you're exactly Guys, right but go ahead there's a problem 
during the Ryan Garcia Tank Davis fight, that weigh-in, the real weigh-in was at three or four in the afternoon. They are now weaponizing this. In my view, the commission should just say the weigh-in is at this time. All the time. No, that's my point. Bottom line. No, that's my point. And there was no rehydration class. And you already have, as as you've explained, a smaller guy going up. And now, I don't, what do you think Haney, Haney looked cute? What was he, probably 150? 155 is oh, what God. I was told. Oh, my yeah. gosh. But how much did that take out of Haney to get down to 134.9 when we saw where he was in round 10 and 11? Because to me, his mouth started opening up in mm-hmm. around, about round 8. Round 10 and 11, his two worst rounds of the entire fight. And then he had a really bite down for the 12th round. A 12th round that Lomachenko oddly said after the fight. Ugh. He thought, why did he make that comment? That was Lomachenko not a good comment, comment to make, I agree. Uh, he took the 12th round. What? That's just Lomachenko. And, and I said this earlier. A lot of these foreign fighters still look at professional boxing as a sport when it is first and foremost a business. And I yes, think they go into these things very, very naive. And speaking of a foreign fighter, let's talk about the undercard. Very eventful. Joe, I know a fighter out of Japan made a real, really, really oh. big impact on you. Wow. Junto Nakatani. Bonsai. Uh, I described it as the human shotgun. That is going to be my new nickname for him. The human shotgun. That punch. Listen, guys. If you added up the amount of fights I've called in the last 25 years of every undercard, every Tuesday night fights, Wednesday night fights, contender, Friday night fights, so the top ranked boxing, it, it has thousands upon thousands. There are maybe three or four moments where I could say the actual impact of a punch stayed with me. In short order, I think I can tell you right now that was the most impactful single punch I've ever seen landed to be just a few feet away from it. You could see and hear the impact of the concaving of the face <laughs> of Maloney. Jeez. It was so brutal. It was so scary. Go back and watch the replay in real speed and listen to it and oh. watch his legs. Mario, when the legs go back, fold back. Ugh. It, just like I mean, you said. This got unbelievable power. Steve, how the heck was he making flyweight? How? Well, Rudy Hernandez said at the end, it was a very, very difficult process. But Mario, here's what made that knockout worse. I, I thought they should have stopped it after the 11th. Yes. You're well behind. You get knocked down in the 11th. And Angelo Hyder, and he's in a tough position because he told his fight, hey, I, I kind of want to stop this. And th- that's the tough thing. Looking back, it's easy for us to second guess. I wouldn't have let him go out for the 12th. Oh, well, it's easy to say, just You're like right. you said. Shotgun is a perfect way to describe it because that's what it sounded the like. Shotgun. It He's was the human shotgun. Obviously, the 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 KO of the year. Man, it might be for the last oh. few years. It was incre- oh. It was incredible. Perfect for social media. It's. Just, <laughs> I already posted it. It went viral. It, it went viral. <laughs> it was awesome. That was such a beautiful display of violence. You know what got me thinking <laughs> about that performance? Sometimes as a young under known fighter when you're on a big card you got to make an impression mm. it reminded me of Manny Pacquiao who fought Lelo Ledwaba underneath Oscar De La Hoya mm-hmm. and you said to yourself that was his first HBO appearance yes it, it was uh, yeah. summer of 2001 and I love Rudy sure. Hernandez one of my great friends Chicken Eatle's brother he comes to me after the fight and he, he's a big believer Steve all we do is shadow box heavy bag spar and run we don't do any of that strength and conditioning stuff and who was the stronger fighter down the stretch? Junto Nakatani, I told you this last week, Mario, is the second best fighter in Japan. Anyone not named Inoue, he's probably Ichiban. I think his future is very no. bright. Yes. How, and he how, made is it possible, how is it possible that arguably the two biggest single knockout style punchers in the sport 
are two lower weight class guys from Japan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible, right? That's true, yeah. And yeah. speaking of power punches, I, I'm going to come clean. I thought in the beginning, looking at it live, that Robert Hoyle erred in waving off the Murataya Nakatila fight. Looking at the replay and, and after what had happened to Maloney, I don't have a problem with that stop. No, not at all. I don't have a problem yeah. with it either. Those are coming fast. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fight. It was a great weekend. Great weekend for fights. It, it was, listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I know we're always going to have moments of officiating and judging. It's the nature of the sport. It's the nature of how we've structured this thing, right? There are always, five years from now, we're going to be saying this. Ten years from now, we're gonna, there are things we could do better. We could have you know, uniform officials group and not state by state commissions, all that. And we could have a checks and balance system, but it's going to happen with the subjectivity. There have been things that have happened in the sport this year where the casuals and the mainstreams are being embraced and being brought in. And they're saying, oh, this is good stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, this is real good stuff. And keep in mind that knockout you're talking about is knockout of the year, knockout of one of the past few years. That was on ESPN in the 8 to 10 p.m. window, Mm. free, free to the public, serving the fans and giving them that, which, by the way, the two of you are. I'm so glad you guys are back. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, buddy. This podcast serves the fans so well because, Kim, as you know, I mean, there's there's nobody day in and day out that covers it as well as you do. You, You know, you're so embedded as an analyst and a reporter in every way, and you always serve the fans for 20 plus years. And Mario, because of who you are, uh, in entertainment, but being one of us, it matters. The fact that the two of you do this show matters greatly, both to boxing and outside of boxing. So I'm thrilled that you're back. That is a great thing to say. Yes, it Appreciate is. And that. thrilled to have you on. Hopefully, we can get you in person one of these days. Yeah, anytime you want. Yeah. By the way, Joe, uh, Oscar Valdez, I'll never forget. This was about three, four months ago when Liam mm-hmm. Wilson. I thought was on the brink of beating Navarrete, oh. and the Navarrete got like a 30 count on the mandatory eight. I said <laughs> yes. to Frank Espinoza, I said, Frank, it's really too bad Oscar Valdez got injured because you would have been the world champion that night. So, Joe, after watching the return of Valdez banging out a hard-nosed 10-round decision against Adam Blue-Nosed Lopez this past weekend, who, how do you see that fight going into hopefully August? Yeah, against Navarrete. I mean, listen, how do you ever handicap Navarrete? Right. We try to handicap him every single time and every single time he finds himself in trouble. He does things that break <laughs> that break all the rules. And somehow these lunging uppercuts from too far away, the poor defensive coming back, the awkwardness, aggression. You just never know. And that's what makes every one of his fights so beautiful to watch. Oscar Valdez is the superior technician, the superior boxer, the better overall boxer, maybe not puncher, but better. He's got a great left hook and he goes to the body beautifully. Um he, he's better in so many ways, and yet every time Navarrete steps into the ring, you never know. I think it is a fascinating fight. I think it's being targeted for August 13th in Arizona right mm. now. Um, and I think it leads to other good things. Listen, this is a golden age that has been rebooted between 130 pounds and 140 pounds. June 10th, we get Josh Taylor and Tia yeah. Fimo. I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next. I'm actually going to yeah. be there, Joe, so hope to see you there. I'll oh, be in New hey, York hey, that hey, weekend. Hey, hey. We're going to do a little uh, pizza. Hey, I like the wood oven. That's what I'm talking about. That's got your name on it, Lopez. That's a nice (laughs) pan over right there. We're going to do a little uh, pizza. A little test of tour. I got my wife with me. She'll appreciate (laughs) that. So speaking uh, of that fight, which will be going down at the Garden, how do you um, how do you see it right now? It depends on how each guy comes in. Right. Because, you know, we get fickle results. 
a lot of times with TFTMO. What version are you getting? How focused has he been in camp? How disciplined is he being? What is going on in the personal life? What's going on with the relationship with dad? When he's at his absolute best, and you've seen him absolute best, he's one of the premier fighters in the world. He is absolutely throwing fire at you. He's, he's violent, aggressive, dynamic, athletic. Josh Taylor has been away for a long time now. How has he been living outside of the ring? How focused is he? Where is he with his mental and physical preparation? I think there are so many question marks on both guys, but if both guys come in prime and ready, which there is no excuse not to, this fight defines who they are, defines everything moving forward. You have an awesome fight. The one thing I will say on first blink, having been with both guys and been with Tiafimo now at 140 pounds when he fought Kampa, he's a small junior welter. He just is. Tiafimo to me, even wildly powerful and dynamic and athletic, he does not have that natural man girth that you see a lot of 40-pounders have. Taylor's a big 40-pounder. When Taylor gets down to 40 and then rehydrates yeah. the way he did it when he was at his absolute best against Ramirez or against Progre, mm -hmm. he's a naturally big 40-pounder. That could be the difference in the fight. I, I agree. And Taylor, I didn't, I'm surprised he's actually going to... Um, fight a junior welter again because I was hearing he's having yeah. a lot of trouble and much like Haney we'll see how it plays out down the stretch and I may be in the minority thinking this but I think uh, Teofimo's best chance is not if he tries to press the issue with Taylor is if he boxes him when he if he boxes him I actually think he'll have a little bit more success with Taylor Mario, as opposed to trying to bring the fight he's got to be on his back foot because Taylor has that linear in and yeah. out movement so be have that weight on the right, back foot, ready ready no, to run him into stuff. No, Agreed. right, because he because Taylor has success when people try to press him. Because it's different than Sandor Martin, who's going right. to circle the ring. Taylor's right. an in and out linear type of motion. Yes, he so, is. So Joe, I got a question yeah. for you. And I, I was there a couple times when I was over at the Four Letter <laughs> Network during the pre-fight meetings with the boxers, and the managers yeah. come in. I've seen it get testy with Tiafimo and his camp, specifically the father, with Tim Bradley. And now Tiafimo's made some comments about the announcing crew. And what's what do you anticipate there on that Thursday oh, or no, Friday no, night when you meet no, with them? We don't, we don't, we don't sweat stuff like that at all. Tiafimo and his father are very unique characters. They're very authentic. They're very vocal. We embrace that. We welcome that. I want them coming into the room being as expressive as possible. I want them saying anything they want because what I want to do and all I care about is to get a clear picture as to where they are at this point, what they're thinking, where their mindset is, what they're telling us, so that they, we can then bring that across to the viewers come Saturday night. That's they're, they're characters. And as long as they're being authentic, and by the way, the, the comments that were made, I, I was in the room in New York uh, on the night that they're discussing. There was nothing that was heated or uncomfortable or awkward at all. So our crew's always had a very good relationship with him. Just be authentic. That's all I ask. At the end of the day, if Teofimo is able to come away victorious, I feel yes. he picks up the momentum that he completely lost when he beat Lomachenko, which was, a, mm -hmm. in my mind, by the way, was a very clear victory. Legitimate win. Yeah. A legitimate no win. Close, no doubt. but a legitimate no win. There was no cries of any yeah. sort of robbery. Do you agree, Joe, that if he is able to become victorious, he he's kind of right back where he was after that Lomachenko victory? Oh, very much so, Mario. I, and I think, you know, especially American sports fans love a second act. Americans in general mm -hmm. love a second act. And I think a second act of Tiafimo Lopez, who was on top of the world, was so ascendant, pulled off one of the great upsets. Remember, he was a four-to-one underdog. Yes, I remember. Yeah. And 
They called them out the year before. We're going to do that. Yeah. And they did it. Mm-hmm. Then the cambosis, then all the out-of-the-ring antics and disruption and, and the course of the soap opera of his life. If he's to regain a major world championship against a guy who was the undisputed champion and only because of politics does not have all four belts right now, and do it at 140 pounds, he's right back to that elevated superstar status and more. And in a division where you have really great opportunities for big cash fights, um, Devin Haney going to 140 Mm. pounds. I mean, there are a lot of possibilities here of what could happen. Mm. All right. Well, Joe, look, as always, thank you for joining us. And when are you coming to L.A. to join us in studio? I'm always up for doing that. You know, whether I'm out there doing this work or any of my other work, I'm always up for doing that and and having and chilling with you guys and having a fight night over at Casa de Mario. Oh, by the way, you got to look at the new pad. Oh, it's great. It's spacious. Oh, I can only imagine. (laughs) Very spacious. I look forward to seeing a New York, Joe. Yeah, hopefully it comes with a nice washer and dryer because every Instagram video he has of his jujitsu, he's sweating 17 <laughs> gallons of sweat. Yeah. I've never seen anybody sweat more in my I life. The s- glands I sweat underwater. Across he's, the street, I He's said. leaning down. So anyway, Joe, thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon. And we'll be back with more Three Knockdown Rule. And now a word yeah. from our sponsors. The Three Knockdown Rule is back, and we'd love to partner with you. If you'd like to sponsor the Three Knockdown Rule with Steve Kim and yours truly, send an email right now to info at boxbid.io. Since we launched back in 2015, the Three Knockdown Rule has continued to be the most entertaining and most informative boxing podcast around. Three Knockdown Rule is available on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Again, for information on sponsorship opportunities, email info at boxbid.io. All right, we want to thank the awesome, great Joe Tessator. He's great. Gracing us with this present. And folks, if you want to sponsor our show, send an email to info at boxbid.io. Once again, all sponsorship inquiries should go to info at boxbid.io. Now, we've got so much more to talk about. Now, we timing didn't work out, but we got to get to this. Mm. Uh, May 13th in Las Vegas at the Cosmo, it was showtime, and there was controversy for the WBA Junior Welterweight Champion. Roly Romero put an asterisk by this. TKO9 over Ismail Barroso in one of the better fights of the year. Kenneth Sims guts out a tough 12-round decision over the hard luck batir Akhmadev. Mario, I think Tony Weeks made the worst stoppage I've ever seen. Bottom line. First stop, right there. That's it. You're exactly right. I thought it was just me. Literally the worst stoppage. Not you, it's everybody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Literally the worst stoppage I've ever seen, which is ironic because Tony Weeks is the same guy who let Diego Corrales get off the canvas, I don't know how many times, and let that fight continue in the classic versus uh, 2005. So for him to stop, and I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, maybe he was at an angle where it looked like, and like, no, I was trying to find, and then I'm not a conspiracy guy, but then people were starting to, uh, corruption, this and that, and I was like, what, I, did he just have a brain fart? Well, I don't know what, there's no logical explanation for him. Oh, there is. Really? Yes. Oh, boxing axiom that I heard from an old timer long ago, okay. and it rings more true every year. Boxers fight for today. Officials and judges fight for tomorrow. Even a, an even a veteran, an experienced guy like Tony Weeks, still plays into that. You think? Roly Romero said before the fight, "Well, I get Roly privileges, and I want to do a fight against Ryan Garcia." Okay, so now Ryan Garcia says, "I'm going to move up to 140." Guy has a WBA belt. I think Ryan Garcia is much better than Roley. I think he looks good against him. What does that set up at 140 for a title? What rematch does that set up? Tank. Oh, 
So putting all that aside, if Barroso would have won that fight, what do you do with that? Nothing. You can't. Listen, you I, can't. it did work out better for the sport itself. The business. The business of the sport. But how do you... It did, no, but... What about it, for Barroso? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Was it fair? Absolutely not. The fact that a guy who, by the way, looks about 52 years old, <laughs> but looking okay, crack, booking crack, it looked like it was going to be, that's why you never judge a book by its covers. It looks like Rolly was just going to steamroll this guy. But when he cracked him, dropped him, and also had him uh, uh, hurt a couple times, the crazy thing was about that actual stoppage, Kim, was that during that exchange, Barroso was actually throwing hard punches, landing some, and it was just a violent back and forth. And for him to stop it, it's like, what? It was preposterous, worst stoppage I've ever seen. Okay, with that said, for the business of boxing, now that Roley... Um, is a champion. I can't believe I said that. And I say that. Belt is, holder. Let's go belt, belt holder. holder. I, and I've always liked him because I like characters in a sport. Oh, he is that. And he's a character. He is that. And he's a hard punching <laughs> guy that comes to fight. I like those kind of guys. Does he deserve to be a belt holder? I'm sorry, it's but. It's not about deserve. It's, it's, it's exactly. Not, it's not about well, deserve. Well, that's why people are again up in arms. And again, why I think it left such a bad taste in everyone's mouth with Haney Loma because it was on the heels of this yeah. fight. So two weeks in Mario, a row that, that's why people start turning to the UFC. Mario, I'm sorry. I'm with you. Rolly Romero punches hard. I've never seen anyone punch hard enough that when they miss punches, that it hurts the opponent. And Tony Weeks now, unfortunately, like you're right, has been a respected referee for years. That's I remember irony. Richard Steele in the 90s. There used to be this great tradition after the Razor Ruddick Tyson <laughs> and the Chavez Taylor stoppages. And now you're a referee for the bout, Richard Boo! That's, ton- that's Tony Weeks now. When he gets introduced, he will now get cat calls. I don't agree with Bottom you about line. Richard Steele, as you know. But S-T-E-A-L. Tony Weeks. Yeah, to- yeah. No, come on. And you know that. Now, Tony Weeks, I was very very surprised that it was him with that stoppage okay moving on be that as it may i feel very very sorry for barroso because that's a guy whose life could have been changed dramatically had he had his hand raised um and it, and it wasn't inevitable but he should have been given the opportunity right. so it's that that was yeah. that was a sad day yeah to wrap it up with tony weeks he used to be known for having the last flat top fade in boxing now he'll be known for this. Also, uh, Kenneth Sims, congratulations to him. This is a highly touted prospect out of Chicago. They did a documentary on Showtime years ago. Hit some bumpy waters. He really gutted out a tough 12-round decision in one of the three or four best fights of the year. Salute to Kenneth Sims. He is really about perseverance and overcoming adversity. He is now a player at 140. Mm. Uh, this past Saturday from the three arena, uh, arena in Dublin on the zone, Kind of historic moment. Katie Taylor suffers her first loss as she gets beat by Chantel Cameron. Scores of 96-94 twice and 95-95. This was contested at 140. So Katie Taylor keeps all her belts at 135. A lot of boxing this upcoming Saturday, Mr. Lopez. From Belfast, Ireland on ESPN Plus from the SSE Arena. The IBF featherweight title is on the line. Luis Alberto Lopez Venado takes on Michael Conlon. And then from Manchester, England, the rematch on the zone for the WBA featherweight title. Mr. Mayhem. Mo Lara takes on Lee Wood. Mario, let's go back a couple months ago. Hmm. Lee Wood seemed to be in control and then bang, left hook over. Left hook. Well, that's all it takes. That's oh, the beauty geez. of boxing. I'm glad that they're um, facing each other uh, with not that much time. That's the way it should be. That has gone bay. That's the way it should be. That's what's. That's what we need. I'm going to come up with a prediction. Um, I think both Mexican belt holders lose this weekend. I kind of like Conlon at home. 
to be a little bit too proficient of a boxer. I think he's going to switch a lot. Again, home canvas advantage, that matters. And if Lee Wood can stay away from that big shot, I thought he was kind of controlling that fight fundamentally and technically. I think Viva Mexico goes 0-2, unfortunately. Hey, it's just my prediction. Well, the way decisions have been rendered lately... Going on the road is tough. Exactly, exactly. Anything short of a knockout, I'll be surprised. Moving on to news and notes. Ryan Garcia will train with the esteemed Derek James, who's been the trainer of the year recently. Also, June 17th, Regis Progray now needs an opponent as Liam Paro has uh, ducked out. Not ducked, but he has backed out with an injury. And George Cambostas, former uh, lightweight champion of the world, has signed a deal with top rank. Ryan, Ryan Garcia has a new trainer. Mario, he's had three trainers in about six fights. What's the common denominator? Him. Look, he surprised me with this choice, to to be quite honest. Is he going to move to Texas? At least for camp. That's the thing. I don't hate the the idea of him getting out of California, um, committing himself to to a camp, actually showing up every day and and focusing. I, I don't hate that idea, actually. And it seems that it, 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 on paper, it looks like it'd be a good it'd be a good um, match. We'll see when they get there. It, it, he had everything that on paper that it seemed that would be that would work for him in the Reynoso camp and someone like a Canelo with having such influence on him. But then there were whispers that he, he wasn't spending as much time there. So okay, fine. But the fact and then with Joe Goosen. Uh, who we both really like. It seemed like he was kind of calling his own shots. Yes. And he'd, he'd train, you know, Chavez Jr. style in his kitchen or whatever when mm-hmm. he wanted. But he, if this was a true wake-up call and he had to come to Jesus and he's going now to another state and he's committing himself to showing up every day and being there. At the gym, though. That's what I'm talking about. At the, At gym. the gym. every day. And he's icing and it's just he's going to breathe, live and breathe boxing for a couple months. Then okay, he's putting himself in a good position. It remains to be seen, but so far I like what I what I'm hearing. Derek James is a world class trainer. Charlo Brothers, forgot which one. Then he has Frank Martin, world class lightweight, mm-hmm. very well schooled, and of course Errol Spence. Respect this guy's acumen. If I'm Ryan Garcia, respect this guy. Don't say, well, hey, on days I don't spar, I'm just gonna stay in my house mansion, my camp mansion. No, I hope Derek James insisted. He looked him in the eye, said, "Kid, can you give me five, six days a week here? Nothing else." Right. If he does that, it has a chance to work, but he's also got to fight. If I'm Ryan Garcia, forget a rematch with Tank this year. I try to stick in two more fights. Do you go immediately to the Raleigh fight? Yes, I actually do, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because he knocks him out. That's what I'm saying. So you go to the Raleigh, it's a whole other thing. And then you fight at the end of the year. (laughs) Then you set up the rematch. Exactly, exactly. In a perfect world. Give Derek James two or three camps before you go and face the Tank again. Yeah, oh, no, at least. I wouldn't even... Mention Tank's name mm. for a while. So, and Mario, yeah. there, there's an old saying. There's an old saying. Hell hath no fury like a woman scored. Scorned. <laughs> she scores, and that's all right, too. No, but uh, <laughs> Andrew Ruiz's, Ruiz's ex-wife she seems very, very scorned. Did you see? She may have hacked into Andy's Twitter, and she didn't just throw him under the bus. She ran him over and backed up and ran him over again and ran, treated him like a speed bump. Some of these fighters' exes, Ryan Garcia, too, we were just oh talking my about. God. Yeah, remember that? She was she was going hard, Catherine too. Catherine Gamez. Yeah, yeah and, those and, are funny. And, uh, and, and poor Andy, man. My guy's on the treadmill. 
<laughs> kind of filling us in. He's like slow walking to the treadmill, filling us in. Talk about, he's, I don't know if it was a threat, talk about releasing sex tapes. It's double like, right, we don't need to see that. Yeah, I mean, gee, what a war. <laughs> yeah, for those not familiar, they'll break it down. Uh, so there was a tweet that came out late last week, and we'll put it up on the screen, where she just laid out the business. I mean, she laid out everything, and I really thought, look, I don't like this. I understand the feelings, and we don't know what type of spouse Andy was, but in a relationship, even if you part, shouldn't there be certain things that are kept very, very private? Especially when you have kids. Yes. And I'm some of the stuff I'm like, okay, it's believable. Why don't I just like I don't know if she's Stella. I don't think she got her groove back. She seems very, very angry. By the way, when's Andy fighting again? Oh man, it's so it's been a while. It's been too long. You keep hearing whispers. At one point it was Fury. At one point it's, it's not Deont- Fury. It, no, I know, but at yeah. one point it was, right? That was a whisper. And then uh Deontay Wilder. So then it's not. Yeah, then it's not. So I don't know. That night, uh June of what, 2019, I believe. Yeah, his Rocky moment. That literally seems 25 years ago. It does. And that, that's like the night it peaked and it crashed all in the same day, Anthony basically. Anthony Joshua was never the same after that either. No, you're right about that. Uh, Mario, going to final flurries, a moment of silence for true American sports icon and a an American that was really impactful beyond sports. The great Jim Brown passed away at the age of 87. 87, by the way, is a good life. run. Good that run. Is a good life. And by the way, I didn't realize he was that old. He still looks like he can kick your ass. Even at 87 before he passed, my guy always looked like he was uh, ready to go. And Jim Brown, aside from being probably one of the greatest uh, players and running backs um, ever, I don't know if many people know. All-time great lacrosse. Lacrosse athlete. All-American at Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine those guys trying to get in the way of that guy, those I white know, guys exactly. from the Northeast? Oh, exactly. my God. That's not even fair. Yeah, and then became a strong civil rights activist and really, like, walked the walk. And, um, yeah, truly great. Mario, truly great. in the fall of 2001, I was invited along with the group headed by Bernard Hopkins in his camp up to Bernard uh, to Jim Brown's home in the Hollywood Hills. So he's in his 60s at that point. He came out in a cutoff. Let me just tell you something. For that age, he had a presence about him. And he was a nice guy, but it was intimidating. I told you, he still looked like he could get his his 80s. The way he looked you in the eyes, hey, hey, young man, how you doing? Yeah. And it's like, this is a guy that does not suffer fools. Mm -hmm. Don't ask him about football. Don't ask him about whatever he did. Keep it simple. Move on. Don't try to upset him because there's an intelligence about him that was intimidating. Mm-hmm. And they, and him and Bernard had this conversation about life in America as a black man. That was one of the most fascinating discussions that I have ever heard. One of the more memorable days. But a salute, by the way, without Jim Brown, there's no Bob Arum. When Muhammad Ali was going through his things after his ban, they had to put together an organization that who's going to promote this guy that's been exiled. And Jim Brown said, oh, I know this guy. His name is Robert J. Aram. I like him. Wow. And he, how did he know him? I think from other things. I mean, look, Jim Brown worked for the Kennedy administration. Isn't that wild? Another thing about Jim Brown, I don't know if you know this, he was on the first broadcast of UFC. So really? He, yes. He actually helped launch the UFC way back in, I think, 93, was it? That is am- I never knew yes, that. Yes, he was on the actual broadcast right there. So they were- so he is kind of a pioneer in a lot of love. And um, at the fights on Saturday, Bob Arum made sure they did a ceremonial 10 count because basically awesome. he there was a tweet that said Jim Brown, one of the founders of Top Rank, and yeah. Bob was very saddened by the loss because they were close. And what was that famous picture where it was Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali? That was a syndicate of the black athletes yeah. during the height of the Civil War. Uh, 
rights movement. Civil rights movement, and I think Bill Russell, and I think yeah, he was but, the last remaining living member of that great photo. Yeah, that was a great, uh, Mario, great photo. Mario, I want to call you. No, LA. Kareem's still alive. Kareem, you're right. And I think Kareem's the last one, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start, you know, they should make a logo, L.A., but with the Lopez. You've been at every sporting event locally in the last month. No, in the last week. Oh, so boy. in just one week, I went to the Dodgers game. Orale. Um which is still a great time when yeah. Chavez reading. Although, Kim, this last week it got down. To, I looked up the thing. I was like, dang, it's kind of cool. 58 degrees. It still gets pretty. Can we end. have our we summer? We warmed up. We need our warm so weather back. So I went back. to the Dodgers game. Then I went to the LAFC game. Orale. The night low. Uh, that's why I saw the fight a little bit later. I got to tell you, you got to come with me. For 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 it for, uh, for, uh, for per buck, greatest. Really? Uh, yeah, it's so Soccer. much fun. Dude, it's a party All right, get any, right there. Will I get any goals? They never score. I hate everything. You don't even care if it's gone. There always goes. No, it's a part. And then the 32 52, they're screaming the whole time. It's the closest hey, you ever get to like your opinion. that venue, they don't take cash at all. Everything has to be paid by card. I heard it's a cashless venue completely. Really? Well, of course, you're VIP. You get everything <laughs> free, but us, us proletarians. No, I get the tickets. Uh, I make my buddies. No, I get the tickets. I make my buddies pay okay. for the yeah. stuff. Right, like everyone's got to pull their weight. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then, um, uh, but no, it's such a good time. It's a big party, and it's a beautiful stadium. Now they're calling it BMO, so that's a lot of fun. And tonight, as we're doing this show, it's Monday night. Lakers are down 3-0. I actually got tickets to the Lakers uh, Nuggets game. Get to game. see the so, final game of the year. Yes. <laughs> Cold as ice. You think they get swept? I hope so. Man. Just not a LeBron guy. Well, once he leaves, I'm a Laker fan again. Wow, cold as ice. I know. I'm a man, cold, of, cold I'm a man of principle, Lopez. He's, he's sort of, he's, well, he, I, listen, I can't, you can't help but respect the longevity and the, and the level of play he's been able to um, uh, keep Greatest up. Greatest 20-year career series. ever, though, I will that, say that. That's what I'm saying. And stuff, and yeah, what's his name is good, the, uh, from Denver. Jokic. Jokic, gosh dang. So yeah, so it's, yeah, I've been all in. There was a Charger game this week that I really would have uh, completed the sweep, but uh, LA all day. One last thing before we get out of here on the three knockdown rule brought to you by Hustler Casino. It is our favorite local L.A. casino and home of the most popular poker live stream in the world. A Southern California staple since the year 2000. Mario, I don't want to completely spoil it. I'm just going to say this as a avid fan of succession post Logan Roy. It has found life. And by the way, next week, series finale. Not just yeah, I'm series sad. finale. I'm sorry, not season finale. No, series season. finale. Yeah, and f- it kind of. So I only got the half the episode last night. It gets good because uh, I know because yeah. well, I don't want to give anything yeah. away to have to. And it was good. And you're right. It started to kind of win me over this last because I thought the gravitas of not really having Logan Roy there. Logan. Yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of the characters. It's so well written. But yeah, that show. Tip of the hat of that show. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about next week. Mario, great show as always. We want to yeah, thank Joe Tessator again for joining us. Yes. Th- uh, shout out to Joe. Thanks for taking the time. All right. So on behalf of everyone that makes a three knockdown rule run, till next week, goodbye, everybody.